Wow, it's so good to be up here at Les Murdy Baptist. Um, I've uh, had an affiliation with Les Murdy Baptist for so many years. Well, it's about 24 years because I used to be the pastor down at Hillside Church. And I just want to thank Pastor Josh and his leadership for having compassion here. I know you guys, I'll go a little bit into how good you guys really are with compassion. But just a little bit about me. I'm married to Sally. Some of you know her. Uh, what a wonderful woman she is, putting up with me, and we have five adult children now, and uh, well, they say they're adult, but uh, well, I guess a lot of people that have children know what I'm saying. Um, I'm married, married to her, and I live in the hills in Darlington, and have been a pastor for nearly 20 years, and, and I've just left the church, uh, Hillside Church, down the bottom of the hill, uh, to take up a position with compassion. Uh, some may say why, and I've been speaking at a few of the Hills churches, and they they want to know why I left. So to dispel anything, I'm letting you know. Well, I've been involved with NGOs and uh, Christian organisations uh, with anti-trafficking and anti-prostitution for the last 15 years, and seeing the devastating effects that it has on poverty uh, and what poverty creates. I was involved with NGOs and Christian organisations, pulling their hair out, trying to, find, trying to find men, women and children, saving them from trafficking, retraining them and transforming them, only to finding that they return, actually 48% return to what they only knew. And that is a really sad, uh, sad... Yeah, anyway, I don't get me started. I just, got, I just flew in last night on the Philippines, taking 10 pastors... Uh, around seeing the uh, effects of poverty. So I'm a bit, bit scattered at the moment and just taking in what I saw and what they saw. Um, I've worked alongside the federal government along with ASEAN group of countries involved in, in anti-trafficking and anti-prostitution. So I know a little bit about what poverty does. And on one occasion in 2014, I was invited to a compassion trip and uh, if you ever get an opportunity to go on a compassion trip, Pastor Josh, I invited him on this last one, but he couldn't, um, think about it and pray about it and please do come along because it it, it's, it's mind and life-changing. Uh, ten pastors, local pastors from the city of Perth went on this trip just last uh, ten days and they have been absolutely uh, affected by it, which is good but they're now on fire. Um, I finally find a, found out a solution, what I believe was holistic in this world, and it involved the local church and Christ believers. And a lot of you know a bit about compassion. I believe compassion is the ambulance at the top of the cliff. Okay? There's a lot of great organisations and NGOs that do work at the bottom of the cliff, saving all these people from from trafficking and slavery and prostitution and everything. But compassion starts, I believe, it's at the top of the cliff because they start with mums and bubs. They start very early on. And I've just been into a couple of the villages um, in the Philippines and I was with uh, IJM, uh, which is a group that does OSEC, which is uh, online sexual uh, abuse on children. And been working, I've been working with them for the last couple of years and now Compassion are now involved with them. But we went into some villages and the IJM said, oh, we won't go into that village because they're okay. And I said, why are they okay? Because, oh, that's where a Compassion Church is. And they've affected all the community. 
um, which is fantastic. And that's, the, that's what you are doing when you sponsor a child. That's what you are having an effect on. You're changing and transforming a community and transforming a nation bit by bit. We went into some uh, other organised, uh, other villages, sorry, that hadn't had a compassion church and it was riddled with abuse. Um, so compassion works. Compassion's at the top of the cliff. Compassion works. But anyway, so let's go to slide two. Compassion is over 70 years old and operates in over 25 countries. Actually, at the moment, it's 47 countries. And partnering and equipping with over 8,500 local churches. You will not see a compassion sign anywhere. It's all done through the local pastor, the local leadership, and the local church. Compassion is Christ-centred, and that will never change. It's child-focused, which involves the family, and it's church-based. Everything is done from in the local church. Now, today we're building a relationship with Les Murdy, Baptist, and Compassion, and the impact that you're having in Sumba, Indonesia, and I'm now gladly to uh, announce that we're going to be also not only Indonesia, but also I've got some children from the Philippines out there for you as well, if you are interested. But before I continue, I want to and tell you more about compassion, I want to bring you an encouraging word. And I say encouraging because I want you to put that in the head because I'm going to ask you four questions. And they are, do you know the names of your great-grandfather and great-grandmother? How easy is it for you to choose things today? Our shops have gotten bigger over the years, haven't they, with stuff. What did you do different yesterday morning than you did this morning? Now, I know you know, we went, got prepared to go to church. But uh, is it Groundhog Day? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And the last one is, do you know what comes after? Love, exciting and you come aboard. We're expecting you the... Ah. Now, there's the, now, there's a few of you young people that will be going, what just happened? Okay, yeah, some of you young people are scratching their heads going, oh, that was embarrassing, mum. Okay, so we're going to be heading into the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. And I'm just going to read it out and then, I'm going to, then we'll go through and split it up, okay? Now, this is a diary of King Solomon and it comes from the heart, okay? It's King Solomon's philosophical reflection on the meaning of life and the futility of of human efforts. Let's, I'll just read it out. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless. Hey? Didn't think that was going to happen this morning, did you? Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History really repeats itself. 
merely, sorry, not really, merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in the future generations, no one will remember what we're doing now. I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observe everything going on under the sun. And really, it is all meaningless, like chasing wind. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ever ruled Jerusalem before me. I gave greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand what pursuing all this is like, chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. Wow. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Wow. What a passage of scripture. Let's dissect it a little. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. These are the words of the teacher King David who ruled Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all the hard work under the sun? Now, the word meaningless in Hebrew means hevel, which it literally translates to vapour or breath, okay? Which in the context of the book indicates an idea of something fleeting, just a... It's gone. It's what life is. Under the sun, in Hebrew, actually means life lived without... God. I loved what you worshipped this morning, the worship team brought this morning. It was more or less that. Life without God is meaningless. Those of us here who call Jesus our saviour are, are in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of you who call yourselves Christians are in, in the ministry discipling and speaking the word of God. Some of you are employed to do that. How blessed are you to do that? Myself, before I went on pastoring, I was a general manager of an earth moving and mining company and a hire company making shareholders a lot of money. But I was not happy. I, I was actually empty inside. Life seemed meaningless. And you know, one powerball, I'm out of here. Does anyone think that? One powerball, I'm out of here? Or have thought that? See, when I joined the ministry, a lot of my worldly friends uh, lost respect for me. They said, why would you leave that and go into, a, into ministry? Crazy. But years went by and now they understand and see how joyful I am and where I am and what I'm doing. Now, to me, my life had, now, my life has a meaning. People are happy for me. I actually think most of them are a little bit jealous of the life, the life in the, I live. I love what I do. I try to follow Jesus' example in everything I do. I serve and I love and I love and I serve. Do I get it right every day? No, I don't. 
but I get back up on the horse and I try and love and serve and serve and love. Ecclesiastes. I've got to tell you first before I move on, I love Jesus Christ and I am ashamed of that. How many of us can say that to someone? I love Jesus Christ. It's a bit weird, isn't it? But I'll get you to do something in a minute. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4 and 7. Generations come and go, generations come and go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around, around it goes. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again and the rivers uh, and flows out again to the sea. You know, see, generations, they come and go. And we've got a few generations here represented in this church. I came into the office last week singing that song, Love, Exciting and You. And there was only one person who was my age that actually could finish that song. Eight people, actually it was a couple of weeks ago, eight people just looked at me and they were in their 20s and and 30s and they just looked at me and said, where on earth does that come from? Generations come and go. Um, Have any of you guessed your great-grandparents' names yet? Anyone? Can anyone put their hand up and say, yeah, I know my great... So, one, two, three, four, yeah. A handful. I bet you'll go back tonight and say, well, I wonder what they are, who they are. Something like Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 8 says, Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. Now, this is evident so much in our younger generation. Just look at the TikTok, Instagram, Bookface. Facebook, whatever it is, nothing seems to satisfy the soul, does it? Nothing seems to satisfy the soul. I was just in the Philippines in the poorest of poorest of areas and everyone has a phone. And you know the sad thing about it is that they just sit there in their huts and they just, they just watch this Korean, uh, which is called K, not K-pop, but K, yeah, no, there's K-pop and there's another just like series and sitcoms and everything else like that. They're all love stories and everything. And they just, like that. The sad thing about it is that now they know what the Western world, how the Western world live. So there's this thing of, oh, there's now real heaviness on the poorest of poorest saying, this is what we haven't got. But before that, before that media, they, they didn't know and they were happy people. Now they know that they are poor compared to other people. Choices. Nothing seems to satisfy the soul. There are more choices, and more choices actually comes more stress. And I've actually found this out. There are so many choices that we have. And they say that to give a person too many choices, they will get decision fatigued. It's actually a thing out there, decision fatigue. Now, when I was a kid and my parents used to say, son, go down to the shop and buy a a litre of milk, man, that was an easy job for me. I'd go down and I'd say, I want a litre of milk. Nowadays, they have whole milk, reduced fat milk, low fat milk, fat free milk, skim milk, almond milk, coconut milk, walnut milk, oats milk, soy milk, etc., etc. I mean, just go and have a look at your office fridge. Go and have a look at the church fridge. That's why I asked for a long black. 
to be safe. Nice long black, by the way. You guys make nice coffee. Buying a pair of jeans. You know, some of us older folk, you just go down and buy a regular pair of jeans. Uh-uh. No, there's regular fit, short-legged short legged fit, which is great for me. Long-legged, skinny fit, easy fit, stonewashed, blue, black, grey, washed, blue, washed, washed grey, tears, rips that you pay for, uh, zipped up, buttoned up. Oh, my goodness, the choices. Too many choices. Verse 9 and 10 says, History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but it's actually old. Nothing is never truly old. I mean, look at the fashions of the look at the fashions that we go through. Some of you older people are looking really fashionable because you've kept your clothes. Now, if I'd have kept my clothes when I was younger, I'd look like an Italian sausage if I tried to fit in them. <laughs> it wasn't funny. <laughs> All right? But did you ever say to your parents, what would you know? What would you know, Dad? Things are different. Things have changed since you were a young person. Did you know now that I've got, I've got five adult children and I still ring up my father and mother and apologise? It's embarrassing, isn't it? What would you know, mum and dad? Chapter, uh, verse 11 says, We don't remember what happened in the past, and in the future generations, no one remember what we're doing now. Go back to the question, do you know the names of your great-grandparents? A group of young people were asked if they knew about Hitler. This was actually in a magazine, Time magazine, two years ago. And 97% uh, of the 300 young people that were asked thought Hitler was a rock band. History merely repeats itself because we forget. Funny, isn't it? Look what's happening now. Look what's happening now in our own country. What's happening with Israel and Palestine. Who would have ever thought that we would have riots nearly starting up in our own country and people being attacked and the Jews being attacked again? We forget. The problem is that we forget the past and we end up repeating the past. The Bible says it and we do it. We're currently in a world crisis with global hunger humankind has never seen hunger as it is today we don't hear about it because it doesn't really make the news remember the song we are the world you know we are the world that song was to end all hunger remember this song is going to raise so much money that it's going to end all hunger in in the world look where we are today got the worst figures ever on record Chapter 1, verse 12 and 14, the teacher speaks, The futility of wisdom. I, the teacher, the king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I was devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. 
I observed everything going on under the sun. Remember under the sun? Living without God. Under the sun. And really, it is all meaningless. Like chasing the wind. And isn't it? Life without God. I honestly do not know how people can do life without God. I do not know how each and every one of us can go through life's tragic circumstances without God. It's a tough world out there without God. Life without God, honestly, I don't know how people can do it. I was just in a, I was in the um, poorest of the poorest areas in the Philippines. And you know what? I, I was actually, when I say I'm in the poorest of the poorest, when you look at it and what they've got, they are very poor. But you know what? They are the richest of the richest of people because all their hope is laid on one person, and that is Jesus Christ. And you see the smiles of these people's faces that just totally, it, it totally increased my faith and 10 other pastors. They were just like blown away. You know, we live in such a material world here, don't we? Where these people have nothing, but they have all their hope in Jesus Christ. Life, we would look at them and say, gee, life's pretty meaningless to them. But you know what? They are rich because they... We live actually in a really impoverished community. How many people know your neighbours? They know all their neighbours. You know, we are in, 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 in forms of relationships. We're in poverty. In the things of uh, materialism, we're actually in poverty it takes us away from our relationship with Jesus Christ and I tell you what you go to these you go to these places where compassion operates and people are just so happy they have nothing but they have Jesus Christ they have everything amen Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 15 and 17 what is wrong cannot be made right what is missing cannot be recovered now this remember this is life without God so this is people saying, what is wrong cannot be made right. How many times do you hear non-Christians or friends of yours that don't believe in Jesus Christ say these things? What is missing cannot be recovered. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge of any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom, from madness to folly, but I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. You see, Solomon understood that life without God was utterly meaningless. How can people have hope in this world without knowing and having a relationship with Jesus Christ? Verse 18 goes, thing goes said, The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. So what are we learning here this morning? What are we filling up? What are we filling ourselves up with? Where do we get our wisdom from in society today? Self-help books, Instagram, Bookface, TikTok, Netflix. I love what Pastor Josh has brought to you. You've got a uh, what's it called? Uh, the yeah, right now media. That is amazing, the amount of content in there. Grab it. If you got get it for free, grab it. What are you filling yourselves up with? Where do you get your wisdom from as a society? Our God or God's Word. 
or do you get it from one another? Humanity today looks at its own wisdom and not God. Society is walking away from God's wisdom more than ever. Look around you. Things aren't better in our society, are they? The more we turn our backs on God, the worse our society becomes. And you know what? I believe it's because the church is so quiet. And you know what? I am so excited to know that Les Murdy Baptist today has a community-minded focus. For you guys to be seen in your community going up and serving them by picking up rubbish, good on you. Well done, good and faithful. That is awesome to know that a church up in the hills is so community focused. I'm just, I, honestly, well done. It is so good. So next, next time you do it, I hope 40 people come and do it. I remember when my kids were trying to walk. You know when your kids were trying to walk and you'd, and you'd hold their hands and you'd put them on, their, put them on your feet and you'd, you'd go like that? You know, it was so much fun, isn't it? It wouldn't be now with a lot bigger than me. I'd probably crush my feet. But as soon as you let them go, they'd try, they would try and run or walk by themselves and they'd, and they'd trip over. And I just did that with my grandson a few weeks ago. I was, I was doing this. I was going, this is great. And I, I let go and he ran and he fell. And I suddenly thought, wow, that's life without God. That is life without our father. We try to run ahead or go ahead from him and, and put him in the background and this is, we, we just fall, don't we? It's a great, great word picture. Um, where am I up to? I want to finish by encouraging us all to continue to encourage each other, sharpen one another in all these times. And I know at the beginning of the year you had a, you had a word, providential relationships. Um, I heard, heard this providential relationship and I thought, what on earth? I didn't even know how to spell it rather than what it was. But you guys got taught about providential relationships. And I just want to recap on a couple of little things. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Which comes in two minds, me to them and them to me, yeah? That's what iron sharpening iron means. Did you know that iron won't sharpen a banana. Iron won't sharpen a banana. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a banana. <laughs> All right? Don't be a banana. I love preaching this. I'm going to become known as the banana man. In, in compassion you know we are blessed to be a blessing on another note your pastor or your pastoral team you know I've been a pastor for 20 years and it can be draining and you might be a bit embarrassed for me saying this but are you encouraging the pastors of this church I would say yes you are because you're doing some great things here but are you encouraging one another are you encouraging your pastors, and are you encouraging one another? You know, God uses human relationships to impact our faith in him. And we call that providential relationships, which you've already learned. We're in Ecclesia. You know, for the community to see the church in action, they needs to see us loving one another and encouraging one another and loving our community exactly what you did this morning by going out and serving 
But warning, providential relationships can work in the opposite. Iron sharpens iron and it can also take us away from our faith. Now you're probably wanting to have a look at what I've got here. This used to be my life. Yeah, I'll get to the good one later on. Some of you may know, some of you know, may know my past, but some of you may not. I was uh, dragged to church as a young kid. Uh, I left the church because a good mate of mine uh, gave me a cigarette at the back of the shops up at Mundaring when I was about 16. And he said, God is not real. You have no fun. And I went to a, I won't sell what church, I went to a church in the hills and there wasn't much fun going on. I mean, most of the people there, you walk in there and they're worshipping God and they look like that they'd just eaten a sour lemon. I love this church, there's smiley faces everywhere. Anyway, he, um, the same guy introduced me to marijuana. And then bit by bit by bit by bit by bit, I never went back to church. Bit by bit, this here ended up being my protector, was my comforter, was my strength. I kept it down beside me. I was doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, that's why I had to have that. I went into places where I shouldn't be going into. That's why I had to have that. Have I used it? This hasn't touched any flesh, thank God. Praise God. But I have threatened people with it. People say, why did you keep it? So it's just a reminder of what was. I was managed by the Coffin Cheaters for four years, playing in a uh, blues band. So I went from I went from riding a I still ride a Harley. I went from riding that to now when I ride my Harley I ride that. All the other badges have been taken off the front. And you know what? I still have a lot of respect from those in those clubs. Because I say what I mean and mean what I say. Now during that time of my life I actually met a person who was a, who's, uh, probably in youth ministry, anyone here in youth ministry? Any young people in youth ministry? I take my hats off to you. You probably don't realise what impact you're having on these younger generation now, but keep doing what you're doing. Because I remember a young man like you, was my youth pastor in, in uh, church, and he saw me at my lowest and lowest of moments, and he said to me, he says, Kerry, Jesus loves you. Now, I could have got this, and I could have, because I was offended by what he said. But I went away, and it was just over my head. He then later gave me this, which is a King Solomon sword. It's a replica of King Solomon's sword, which actually hangs up in our kitchen. Not that Sally can use it. for. It's just outside our kitchen. Well, this is a replica of King Solomon's sword, and I'll leave it here for people to have a look at. But that's apparently it's the exact replica of King Solomon's sword. Now, I gave up that to follow this. And I can tell you, my life has a lot more meaning now. That life, meaningless. This life, a lot more meaning. 
No, I think I've gone off my um, notes there, so sorry. Sorry about that. I'm not ashamed to say I love Jesus. I'm not ashamed to say I love Jesus. Why don't you say it? On the count of three, shout out, I love Jesus. Ready? On the count of three. (laughs) Sorry, on the count of three. (laughs) One, two, three. Wow. You know, I've said that in a couple of churches, and it's usually, I love Jesus. This is the first church I've been to where it's actually, you've all gone loud. Well done. But keeps, and look, blokes, blokes, I'm just speaking to the blokes here, okay? Blokes, it's, you may say, oh, that sounds weird saying I love Jesus. You know, I can go, I can go to the clubbies and I'll be chatting to them and say, hey guys, you know what, I really love Jesus. And they look at me and they laugh and they go, oh, yeah, 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 couple of expletives, but you know. But they respect me. I've actually had a couple of them come up to me and say, why do you love Jesus? Bang. Opens up my testimony. Opens up the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like that. There are people out there in this community, even when you walk past and collected up their rubbish today, that are wanting to know more about life. This world at the moment, you can look at it, you can go into the pubs or whatever, people are talking about how wacko this world is how just weird it is. And you know what? The church is silent. And you might think, oh, Les Murdy Baptist is silent. But you know what? You are Les Murdy Baptist. It's not your pastor. It's not the sign. It's not the building. It is you. We are being too silent. We need to get out there and say, hey, I love Jesus. You might, it's not, it's not wacko. It's not weirdo thing to say. We're believed, we're told and believed that that is they're going to be weirded out by it, but they're not. Every person that I've ever said, and that's without going up to them with that, but every person that I've actually said, oh, hey, you know what, I, I just love Jesus. They go, well, what do you mean? They want to know. It's imprinted in their heart. They want to know. Well, the whole time I was being a meathead, I found myself in a dark space. I'd cry out to God. We all need providential relationships. And lastly, if you have children, and this is to the older folk here, if you have children or friends that have backslided, please do not hassle them. Please do not hassle them. Do not judge them. Do not bring your own pride into it. Don't be embarrassed by them. My parents were. They don't mind me sharing this. To an elder of the church actually said to them, said, Cameron and Robbie, just pray and love him as Christ loves you. Now that's really hard as a parent to do. I mean, I've got five adult children. A couple of them aren't walking with the Lord. But I've just got to love them unconditionally, like Jesus loves me unconditionally. And I can't judge them. I was in this world, and my parents actually... push me into this world even more by their judgment and I hate I hated church it's a big it's a hard word I hated church and I didn't like the people in it because I thought they were judgmental even when I went back to the church when I met my wife half of the church there was going to my going to her mother saying watch out Kerry's not a good person and you know what I wasn't a good person 
until I met Jesus Christ. Don't hassle them, please. Just love. Then my parents started praying and loving me. And bit by bit by bit, providential relationship with my parents, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour because I saw the love that they had for me. And it was only Jesus' love in them that was for me. So that's just, I just want to, now I have peace and joy, amen? Now, I have people like Pastor Josh and others who sharpen me and encourage me. And I do the same back, where there's a pastor's network and, and we all sit together. You know, this is very unique in Perth, the GR networks, that pastors from all different denominations will get together and chat and laugh. And we all laugh about you guys. Um, uh, no, <laughs> no, we don't, but we, <laughs> none of us are bananas, all right? <laughs> none of us are bananas, all right? Uh, no, but we just sharpen one another. And it's so good. Now, I just want to pray. Before I pray, who was it that sowed into your life, into your journey? Was it a pastor? Was it a friend? Was it a colleague? Was it your parents? Why don't I just take a moment now just to think about who it was? Was it the youth pastor or was it the youth leader that sharpened you, that pushed into you, that, that encouraged you? Who was that person? When was the last time did you speak to that person? Or when was the last time that you, iron sharpened iron, when was the last time you encouraged them? Just think about it. Because after, after the service, why not drop them a line? Just a message. Hey, the pastor spoke about just relationships. I just want to thank you for what you did in my life. That would encourage them. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word and we thank you for your wisdom. As we do here life under the sun, help us to see with your eyes, hear with your ears and speak with your heart so that we will all be ready for those divine appointments every day to share your love and that people around us will be attracted to you. Heavenly Father, I lift up Les Murdy Baptist Church and all who are here. And I thank you that there is no compromise. I thank you, Lord, for their generosity. I thank you, Lord, that they are people that are community-minded, that they're Christ-like. Help them each day to live with hope and to be your light in this world. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, quickly, back to compassion. Um, do you know that you, each and every one of you, have, have uh, providential relationships with your children? Now, I know a lot of you people have compassion children because already members of this church sponsor 99 children. That is awesome. You're batting way above your average here as, as a church. And I just want to say thank you for your generosity and thank you for releasing children and families from poverty in Jesus' name. Um, this is a relationship that's more powerful than poverty because Jesus Christ is more powerful than poverty. Amen? Sorry? Oh, sorry, I thought it was a question. <laughs> Someone was talking to me. 
In the last 12 months, there have been 413 letters sent to and from Les Murdy Baptist Church. That, again, is amazing. Pat yourselves on the back. That's providential relationships right there. Honestly, Les Murdy Baptist Church, per head, you guys are amazing church. And it's such a privilege and honour to be here this morning talking, talking with you. Now, here's a map of Indonesia. Let me tell you a bit about the need of the country in Indonesia. 87% are Muslims, okay? But I can tell you that where you are, where, you, where your, uh, uh, your area, where you're at, is fast becoming Christian. Did you know that we just, had, we just had the World Prayer Assembly and we had an Indonesian contingent of pastors come over to us and they were telling us that there's been 12 Muslim temples converted into Christian prayer towers. And that's been happening. That's been happening over the last four or five years. Christianity is moving in the in the most populous Muslim nation in this world. Christianity is sweeping over that nation unbelievably, um, and it's good. Indonesia, approximately 26 million people live below the national poverty line, with over three million children are trapped in child labour, trafficking, and prostitution. Over 730,000 Indonesian women and men are caught in slavery and we're believing to see this generational transformation in this region. We're believing that there's going to be transformation and there already has been. And we're inviting you to play a great part in it. And just some added info on human trafficking comes in many shapes and sizes, harming adults and children in many countries, rich and poor alike. In total, this issue is known as modern slavery and it is the worst it has ever been. Effects on the estimated 40.3 million people across the globe and earns traffickers at least $150 billion annually, making it one of the world's most profitable crimes. You know, a trafficked person cannot be sniffed out by sniffer dogs. X-rays can't find, find trafficked people. Per pound per flesh, a pound of flesh will go a lot further than a pound of drugs. And a lot of the gangs and a lot of the mafias have suddenly realised this. That's why prostitution and trafficking and slavery is lucrative. I love that Compassion is equipping the local churches to teach about these things and changing communities. They have projects like the Mums and Bubs project. And you know when I said that they started at an early age? This is what's happening in your region in Indonesia that you're supporting. This is actually taken in the Philippines, but this is another project that's exactly the same. Let's just show that video, thanks. Nung nabuntis ako, feeling ko natakot talaga ako. Uh, parang hindi ako handa. Actually, gusto ko nga po ipalaglag. Matagal kasi yung ano sir, nagkasakit yung asawa ko, April, then nabawian siya ng buhay mga August. Pero yung mga anak ko, disinpregnant pa ako. Mayroon naman daw ipapalit. 
Oh, umiinom, kahit na may nagdedere sa akin, umiinom, umiinom pa rin, ganun. Compassion has been a partner in our church with our vision of helping the children to be out of the poverty. And this survival is very, very important program because the number of mortality rate is getting higher in the Philippines. And this survival program enables the church, empower the church to reach out more children and help them in a long-term program. Ang survival nga program, dako kayo siya nga tabang. Tabangan na mo sila, nga makaanak sila, nga ang ilahang mga anak, safety sila during sa pag-deliver o ang mama po safety. Nami lesson, nag-hisgot me about breastfeeding, nag-hisgot me about growth monitoring, oral rehydration, family planning, uh, immunization, nga makatabang dyan sa ilahang anak nga mahimo silang physically healthy. Pero nung napasok na po ako sa survival, hindi lang sila financially nag-assist. Inassist din nila kung paano mawala yung takot ko. Palagi nila akong gano'y sina sinasabihan. Marami silang advice na binigay sa akin. Hindi ko nila pinabayaan atong time. We're able to experience fast growth spiritually because of the close engagement with the staff and the beneficiary. It's a life-changing program. I'm growing. Ah, ngayon nagiging ako, nagiging small group leader na po ako. Inisip ko po hindi po siya responsibility. It's a commitment. Yung naramdaman ko na ito, na nawalan ko, lahat-lahat, paano ako mag-start, natanong ko yun sa sarili ko eh. Narinig ko yung mga mensahe nila para sa akin. Yung sinabi ko na hindi para ako nag-iisa. You know, I watched that video time and time again, but just coming back from the Philippines, it makes it so much more real. And having a lot of these mums from the church that are volunteering their time, they will actually give what they have got, their money, into going and visiting the families. And if they see if there's a need, they'll actually spend all their money in giving them food because they want to be part of the blessing, what Compassion are doing, what the people over here in Australia, they want to be part of that blessing that we are to them. It's incredible. You know, just in the past three years, we've gone from 140 million to 345 million children that are struggling to put a meal on the table. It's actually 645 million people live on less than $3 a day. That 140 million was pre-COVID. And this is what COVID has done. It's boosted it up to 345 million. 
during the pandemic, the local church churches focused on providing food, healthcare, and counselling, and uh, to the children and their families. I want to quickly share a little story about Melandi. She's seven years old when she became a compassion child, and I met her uh, in 2014 when I said before I went on a compassion trip to Haiti. Uh, it was a compassion trip for pastors and there was a pastor at Hillside and they invited me along. So I went and I actually thought it was, to be honest, I thought oh, this is great. This would be a junket for me. I'll just, you know, no church life and I'll go. But it totally changed my life. She was orphaned when her both parents and siblings were killed in the biggest earthquake disaster in the world, killing over a quarter of a million people. And that was in 2010. Some of you might remember that. She was living with her aunties and uncles uh, in this little shack. Next, next slide, if we can. In that shack there, three by three. There was actually eight people, eight adults living there. And uh, they weren't churchgoers. They were actually probably the opposite. They, the family wanted to sell her to the witch doctor to sacrifice her um, or put her into prostitution, sell her into prostitution so they could make some sort of money. Well, the local church pastor found out about Melandi and went to them and said, hey, listen, instead of doing that, prostituting, how about we get her a sponsorship? And if she gets sponsorship, you will be looked after with health. Your whole family will be looked after health, uh, food-wise, and uh, you'll get to be part of what the church is doing. They didn't really want anything to do with the church, but they wanted, obviously, the money and they wanted, you know, Melandi to supply that to them. So they, they agreed. Well, bit by bit by bit, through providential relationship, through the local pastor, each and every one of her household became to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Each and every single one of them, their uncles and her aunties, are now serving in the Lord in the children's program, equipping young children. Now, at the age of uh, 19, Melandi is now studying to be a midwife and she wants to be a field nurse in the region that looks after her, uh, that looked after her. She wants to now sow back into the community. And did you know that in a lot of African continents and places like this, impoverished people, one in 25 women die giving birth because they do not have the help? One in 25. In Australia, it's one in six and a half thousand women pass away giving birth. It's huge, isn't it? Melandi was headed to the witch doctor, devil on the streets, until the local pastor who partnered with Compassion saw with God's eyes, heard with God's ears, and reacted and responded with God's heart. The pastor has rebuilt the church and the classroom. Special thanks to donate donors within Compassion. Now, I ask you with my heart, you may sponsor a child already. Actually, I know a lot of you do. 99 is, is amazing. Wouldn't it be great to get to the 100 mark? Um, but some of you may be wanting two and three. I had a pastor say to me on this trip, he says, you know what, Kerry, I believe that I'm going to give what I get on Monday morning, my first hour of the week, which gets about $35, $40 a, a, an hour. I'm going to commit that to children. I thought, wow, how awesome is that? So he's now got three children. And that's just one hour a week that he's changing three families. Um, totally awesome. 
You might want to spiritually adopt them and even disciple them through sending them letters, which I know you already do, and send photos, creating providential relationships. You know, through that, you'll get, uh, they will get nutritious food, education, discipleship, they'll get health care. And uh, these children, when they turn 12, they'll also receive transformational leadership which is another thing which is totally mind-blowing. I'm just, I'm just thinking about the people, that the alumni that I just saw and met over there. These young people, majority of them, around about 94% of them end up going to uni. They get sponsorships to go to university and they're doing so well, all because someone had sponsored a child. And I might be doing a hard sell here, but that's my job. I'm just... I, I'm just passionate. You know, as a pastor, could leave here to know that one child has been taken, which means four people are going to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just excites me. You know, so if ten kids get taken, that's forty kids automatically. Forty people are going to know the, about the power and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great, Josh? You know, you, hey? So when you sponsor a child through compassion, they receive support that aims their physical, emotional, and relational, and more importantly, their spiritual needs. Sponsorship is over $11 a week. In fact, it's $11.07 a week, and it changes a whole child's world and their families. I want to show you one last slide, uh, one last little minute. It goes for 90 seconds. But this is Helena in Sumba, and this is where you have uh, a lot of your sponsor children. I'd love to be able to take you there someday. We've now got the trips and visits back and uh, up and running. But this is what people don't get to see. This is, this is a little girl that's been waiting a long time to be sponsored. sponsored. But it, it's not about that. It's about the response of her family and what happens when they find out that someone has sponsored them. And it's so exciting. And I just want you to know that each and every 99 of the children that you have already sponsored, this is the reaction of every, and we saw it the last 10 days, this is the reaction of all these families, what happens. It's amazing. Tuhan akan memberikan yang terbaik buat keluarga ini. Ada sukacita, Asti, keluarganya Asti mendapat sponsor, dan ini surat dari sponsor yang buat Asti. Ibu Terima kasih banyak Bawa anak saya Baik Saya kasih masuk PPA Saya hari ini Saya bangga sekali Tapi Tuhan yang balas Saya tidak mampu balas Tapi Tuhan yang balas Tidak pernah saya mimpi Bahwa Sponsornya api hari ini ada Tapi saya bangga sekali Sehingga saya jatuh air mata Terima kasih banyak Mungkin pikirnya ya sekedar komunikasi saja, tetapi lebih daripada itu kedekatannya lebih dekat sekali. Isn't that awesome snippet? I've never known such success as this. 
I want to leave with you with Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you. Because the Lord has anointed me, has anointed you, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and a day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. You will be called oaks of righteousness. You are already. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore places long devastated. You know what? You are transforming Nations. That island of Sumba used to be 100% Muslim. The island of Sumba is now declared a Christian island because of the love and support that you've done. They will renew, they'll renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And that is what we are doing together, which is awesome. So Les Murdy Baptist Church, thank you so much from Compassion and from myself as a group of pastors in the hills. What you guys are doing up here is amazing, absolutely amazing in your community. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your generosity and your partnership with Compassion.